It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, and we're taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. This is Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty, along with my brother Brian. Uh, we're going to get started here in just a second, diving into some of our Ag PhD mailbag questions, which, by the way, if you don't want to talk on the phone, you say, you know, I'd rather just send you my soil test or send you my question. You sure can. It's radio at agphd.com. But, man, it's a lot more fun when we get to talk on the phone. Uh, so, Brian, did you want to open up with anything or you want to dive into some mailbag questions? Well, I've got three quick things. First, this Saturday, we've got our Scouting and Scholarships event. We're giving away over 70 college or post-secondary scholarships to attendees. So we'd really encourage you, if you have anybody going to a post-secondary school, so that's college, boat tech, any trade school, anything like that after high school, love to have them join us. But, I mean, quite frankly, this is for everybody. It's scouting. We're going to be in the field at a number of different stations talking about and showing you things that you need to know agronomically speaking at this time of year in a variety of crops. Our Ag PhD field day is a month from now. It is the last Thursday in July every year. It's going to be our biggest event ever for both of those things, scouting and scholarships this Saturday, Ag PhD field day next month. You can go to agphd.com to learn more. And then the last thing, I was just thinking about this, as we get to this time of year and crop starts getting big, over the years, I've talked to so many people who've just said, you know, it's getting late. I'm tired. I'm sick of spending money. I want to just be done. I don't want to spend anymore. And I understand that. Stuff is kind of expensive this year. But by the same token, you look at the crop prices, and I just look at it on our own farm, and I say, man, I got the opportunity to hit the home run here. These things don't come around very often. You have years like maybe it's if you had a good crop in 2012 and the crop prices were great. Or my our, our dad talked all the time about 1973. I mean, there aren't a lot of years in agriculture where you have this chance to do really, really well financially. So I just encourage you, just stick with it here for a little while and take a look at all the things you can do coming up over the next month to help improve your crop. All right, let's dive into the Ag PhD mailbag. Speaking about it's the mailbag. Speaking about improving crops. Uh, all right, so we got this one from Bob, and I know Brian. This one's gonna raise a couple red flags right away. He said, "I've got some CRP that I put in Timothy Smooth Brome Orchard Grass, and take a guess. What what do you think you put in there with it? Legume." Red clover. clover. Yep. And yeah. now he's got broadleaf weeds, giant ragweed, and mare's tail. Yep. Is there herbicide that would kill weeds but not kill that clover? And uh, he said the grasses right now are shorter than the broadleaf weeds. He's in southwest Wisconsin. I mean, honestly, if it's me, I'm probably going to run with buckthorn and hope for the best if, if that's what I want. But we talk about this all the time on the show. If you can raise crops separately, so keep the legumes out of the grasses. Raise your legumes separate, raise your grasses separate. Now I get if it's CRP and you know you're you just you're just trying to hold down the soil for and and build the soil for ten years. I understand why you're doing the mix, but that just makes it really challenging trying to find a herbicide that we can use out there. So other than buckthorn, I don't know what there is, and even buckthorn, I don't remember if it's labeled it's not, on that specific. It's not the greatest clover. on mare's tail, giant ragweed though. It'll nope. do okay, uh, especially if you get it. Oh small. yeah, it'll do good on. Yeah, yeah. 
And but, you know, yes, here's I the agree. other thing. Not the best in Marystown. Here's the other thing, Bob. What ends up happening to with a lot of farmers that that we end up talking with, they say, you know what, I'm going to spot spray and hit thistles or some other broadleaf out there, and I know I'm going to kill the clover in that area, but where I don't need to spray, I won't, and then I'll let the clover go. And they, they generally say, you know, over three, four, five years, yeah, we ended up killing about all the clover out there by the time we got done spraying the different broadleaf weeds that came out. The best thing is going to be if we can get that, that grass to be a really thick stand. So one thing that you can do, one little trick that a lot of people don't do is fertilizer. If you do put some plant food out there so that plant is going to be healthier, it's going to fill in better and it's going to choke out the weeds. So do some soil testing. See what you can do out there if you can add some things without breaking the bank to to improve that soil fertility. You're going to improve the soil health that much faster and the ability to choke out those weeds. Hey, thanks for the question. We appreciate it. Uh, got this one, this is from a different Bob, but also from a Bob. He said, all right, guys, uh, I, I've got a question for you. I'm figuring out a corn and sorghum mix herbicide program. They're in the same field seated together. Uh, <laughs> I'm in eastern yeah, Washington. Yeah, I'm, I'm working with a feedlot who plants conventional corn and wanted to add sorghum into the mix. They planted May 20th, plan on chopping the forage, no tilling right away, into turnips and wheat that they want to graze during the winter. Now, we applied 14 ounces of Outlook and a quart of Prowl right after planting. I'm looking for a broadleaf burn down that won't hurt my rotation going into turnips and wheat. My main weeds are lamb's quarter, witchgrass, watergrass, and pigweed. I was thinking about dicamba, bassagran, starane, or aim yep. as options. Uh, just wonder if you had any suggestions, anything that may have some residual but won't hurt uh, the, the turnips and wheat next fall. Uh, just kind of curious what you think. Yeah, but here's here's the problem again. We've got two different crops, and so it really dramatically limits what herbicides we can use. So you can't use Starane. You can't use AIM. I mean, AIM's way too hard on corn post-emerge in my book. And then uh, what was the other one you mentioned? Bassagran or Dicamba. Bassagran. Yeah, you can't do Bassagran. That's not labeled in sorghum. Same thing with Starane. Same And AIM, no, no way. So all you've got is Dicamba. Now, you could certainly run with um, you could do uh, a little bit of atrazine. Yep, and buckthorn. Yeah, the atrazine I would keep but, to a very, very low rate if you're going to have turnips. Oh yeah, there. that's right. I, I forgot. Yeah, we got. Yeah, we got the rotation thing. Um, yeah, so you got that camba, you got buckthorn. Yeah, and buckthorn's <laughs> not very good on the pigweed that you've got, but it would be good on the lamb's no. quarter. So yeah, but yeah, tough choices. Yeah, and and. Yeah, and with the dicamba, you can only use a half a pint because of the sorghum. So in the future, our advice is raise your corn separate from your sorghum. Then we can kill the weeds in each crop because then we have good choices for grasses and broth. Yeah, and they're going to get more tonnage that way. So it would be good for them to do a little trial. And I get it. They get excited about, hey, that blend would be good nutritionally. I totally understand that. But you're going to get more tonnage if you raise them separate. Hey, thanks for the question, Bob. We'll be right back with your questions after this. It's planting season, race against the clock season, mistakes can't happen season, and no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster, that makes your spacing and depth more accurate, and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. 
takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting corteva.us. Low rates and high yields with Spraytech fertilizers. Yes, get low rates and high yields with Spraytech's Fulltech, the most complete adjuvant on the market. Fulltech offers burn control, better fixation on leaves, better homogenization in the tank mix, drift control, better spreadability, and more. Fulltech is changing the way you treat your crops. Get higher yields and more money in your bank account with Fulltech from Spraytech. Ask your local retail for Fulltech adjuvant or visit Spraytech.com for more details. Compromise is nice, if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitech fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitech fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio here in the Morton studio, and we're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Let's head out to Ohio to start things out here. We've got Keith with us right now. Keith, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Well, thank you, Darren. Glad to be on. So what's the, crop, what's the crop looking like over there? Over there in Ohio. Well, it's been a challenging year in Ohio. That We're in the southwestern part of the state, but it's pretty much the whole state. that uh, you know it's, Guys are still planting beans, and they're replanting beans, and so it's the corn is... Yeah, there's some of it really good, and there's some of it just the later it's planted, it's really uneven. And so so it's been a challenge in Ohio. Yeah, it's 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 never easy, but some years it's it's a lot tougher than others, no doubt about it. So too much rain, big rains, big windstorms. What what other things have been tough this year? Well, that's been the majority of things. We were fortunate. We started May 10th, and we finished up May 18th running two planters of corn and soybeans. We had that window there, so we was real lucky that we got our stuff in. But uh, but to, like I say, uh, most of it, you know, I'd say 30 40% of the beans just went in here in the last 10 days. Wow. And everything. Wow. It's just amazing. And uh, in the corn, I say a lot of corn even, but, uh, you know, rains, they were spotty, but, again, everybody got them. And, you know, they'd be from one inch to three inches to five inches. And, you know, what really helped us, you know, we, we are no-till and everything. So, and we're drained really well because every farm's got ditches and everything in them. So, because you can see the tile lines on all the corn this year. You've seen, experienced yeah. that before. But <laughs> wet yep. years, it's amazing. Yeah, it is. I, and I encourage, I, I talk to quite a few farmers that don't do a whole lot of travel and don't, don't aren't really big uh-huh. into getting in airplanes and stuff. But I say, man, you just got to get up in the air oh. and see what these things look like because yeah. it, it makes a big difference. Oh, they just stand out. It's just amazing. 
and everything. But uh, I just got back from meeting up you know, a little bit uh, north of Columbus and uh, in the crops through there, you know, kind of the same situation and everything. So it's, but I say we've, we've got everything side dressed. Uh, you know, we're, we're fortunate. We're ready for wheat harvest, which will probably start on probably Tuesday. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's super close. How, yeah. how did the wheat turn out then with all the rain and the storms fighting disease is often tough? Well, it, amazingly, it got along really good. You know, wheat fungicide and everything. But the wheat crop looks like it's going to be really good. That uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking 100 bushel plus on the wheat. But, uh, awesome. Because we had talked to a friend in Circleville, Ohio, and he was running 109. And everything. So kind of amazing, you know, the wheat took the rain fairly well. Yeah, so he's laid down yeah. the gauntlet. So now uh, your result is going to be at least 110. I know I know how this goes. You might might be short a few acres, but <laughs> the bushels might make 110. <laughs> right. Well, but some of the wheat does have some holes in it, so you, you're not going to have a Absolutely. whole lot of average. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's what you look at. I got a question, though, about those wheat fields. So when the wheat comes off, what goes into those areas? you put cover crop in, or is there something else that you're going to try and get a get a we short double, crop of beans? Yeah, we double crop beans all the time. Awesome. Uh, we I've done that for better than 25 years. And uh, and the last couple of years have been fantastic. Uh, the year before, we was 59 bushel. Last year, we was like right at 50. Wow. So, so for these guys that are replanting and still planting beans, they've got a lot of hope then if they could still potentially get 50 or even 60 yeah, I mean, bushel beans. Yeah, if the beans. weather be right, get the right range, they could still have some 50 bushel beans. Sure. But, well, but everything's got to be right. You know, if we turn dry, and that's the thing right now, we're extremely dry. Uh, the corn's all rolled up everywhere. And, uh, you know, the, the heat, we've had that. And, and like I say, we haven't had a rain probably 10 days. So you, so you get my vicious dog barking in the yeah. background. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> hopefully you're safe. It sounds like you feel safe there, Keith. Yeah, that's one of my <laughs> friends just showed up here. <laughs> the wonder dog makes herself known. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I've, I've got a similar situation at home. Yeah, you got to have some of that yeah, to the moment action. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so Keith, how good are you out you know we're we're doing good out here. I mean the the corn didn't look so good, but man, we've had some heat now and uh, humidity and yeah. stuff really perked up. So we're but still you hopeful. Get rain today, aren't you? Well, we got a chance. We got a chance. Yeah, that's so. nice seeing you. We got a chance for rain today. I hope you get it. Yeah. So yeah. I think we got a little chance Sunday. Just hope we get some rain because well, our, our last side dressing and everything. I just hope we get a rain. Some of that to put it in. Most of the time we had a rain on, but we had, we got a couple hundred acres that need to rain to you know get that in the ground and everything you bet so. you bet well good luck to you as you get started on that wheat harvest and uh, hopefully the weather is good for this next crop of soybeans that goes in that would be a home run to have good wheat and yeah, get some soybeans be great, everything you bet well thanks a lot keith okay yep thank you darren talk you to you later then bye let's head out to colorado get mitch on with us right now mitch how are things in colorado hey it's uh hot and dry that's for dang sure <laughs> the problem is with that, Mitch, is you send that to us. So we usually get it right after you guys do a day or two behind you. Uh, you're not wrong. And, you know, I mean, we're pretty much used to it in this part of the country. So, 
<laughs> yeah, we're sure hoping we we do have. And Keith was just kind of hinting at this. We get a chance of rain. They're talking maybe you know if we it's like a fifty fifty shot of a half an inch. It's nothing to get super excited about. But when you're dry, uh, every little bit helps. Uh, we don't have yeah, irrigation here though. Do you do you, uh, is it mostly irrigated where you're at, or you have some dry land too? I'm split between. So I have about half a dry land and half irrigated as far as my corn is concerned. So, um, so I mean, the irrigation has been running pretty much nonstop. I've turned it off just to get corn final sprayed off of now and about to turn it back on and hope for the best there. And hopefully we get some rain coming soon. I think we got sitting on about a chance of maybe hundreds of an inch. So. I'd take wow. just about any drop I can get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. And you know, you think about it. We have had sunlight and we have had some heat, so that's that's been those parts have been good, I guess. For the for the irrigated stuff, that that at least uh, half the crop's going to be fairly decent. And yeah, hopefully this dry land gets something too. Uh, how about the other crops in your area? What are they looking like? Uh, we, I, I'd say a lot of the stands of wheat are thin. They're getting ready to probably get the combines rolling here soon. I imagine summer looking to roll within the week for sure um everything else i mean it's growing so <laughs> sure sure uh anything you want to talk about i'm kind of asking all the questions here uh not i mean so i'd say just trying to get some corn finished up spraying and before it goes to i i sounds like it's probably going to be knee high by the 4th of July and head high by the 5th with the way the heat and sunlight's going. Yeah. So. Yeah. No kidding about that. So what, what are you seeing for broadleaves in your area? It, is it pigweed that's out there or is it something different? I'd say the pigweeds are pretty thick right now. I'm pretty much looking at almost a mat of pigweed pretty much between every bit of corn that I'm looking at. Um, usual kosher. Um, early on, the lamb's quarters were real thick. And that was kind of a weird one. Yeah, we had a lot of lambs quarter pressure this year too, and it's funny how every year's a little different. And this one, the the mm-hmm. cool weather we had through May seemed to favor that, and and yeah, kosher too, of course. Uh, but now, man, yeah, this, this heat, the pigweed's coming. I've been saying that we got too much March in our May, and you know now it seems like we're getting well too much July in our June. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a fair point. And uh, I know uh, one of the agronomists that we work with a lot, he, he said his, uh, one of his teachers, he was in a climate and weather class in college. They said, okay, don't look at what the averages are. Cause you're never going to get it. <laughs> you're always going to be way above <laughs> average, way below average. And at the end of the year, when you put that all together, that's how you get the average. There's not actually a day that's going to be average. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear you got some spraying done, and I know it's been a challenge this year trying to find those those calmer days, and and uh, hopefully you catch that rain too, Mitch. Oh yeah, you're not kidding. So I mean, wind's about 20 miles an hour, or at least sustained through the day, and trying to find the days to get it done. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably one of the so. most frustrating things being a farmer this time of year. Well, Mitch, thank you so much. Really appreciate Absolutely. having you on, and good luck to you. Yep, thanks, Darren. Have a good one. You bet. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. 
At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman. When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product, it's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Farmer Friday today on Ag PhD Radio. And if you're a first-time listener, what that means is we welcome your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show. If you want to talk about how things are going on your farm, we would love to hear it. Uh, already, we've been uh, out to Colorado, over to Ohio, uh, talking about how things are going here in the Dakotas. Uh, you kind of get a little crop report that way, too, to hear how how everybody's doing. Uh, let's head up to Michigan right now. we got Kevin on with us. Kevin, how are you doing? Good. How are you today? You know, pretty good over here. How are the crops looking up there? Oh, the guys that got stuff in early, they look pretty good. Uh, we've been real dry here, but uh, my stuff, I got in a little later and it's struggling. It just hasn't had the moisture to, to germinate evenly and 
I got spots where the corn didn't even germinate in one of my wetter fields. <laughs> it was, uh, it's kind of been tough for me this year so far, but <clears throat> there's a lot of good crops. Like I said, the guys that were able to hit those early planting dates uh, look real good. You know, one thing, and I don't know if this will give you hope, Kevin, but we, we see the same thing here that uh, some of the stuff that was in a little bit earlier looks a little better, but it all started looking better fairly recently. So we're thinking, okay, so some of our later planted stuff, it's going to perk up too, maybe in another week or two here, but we need a rain pad too. We're getting, our ground's hard and we're getting some big cracks out there. Oh yeah. <laughs> there was a, a friend of mine just stopped by we both went through the same spot. We thought there was a fire, but it was a guy planting soybeans. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. That's something. Yeah. It's, it's a challenge. And, and you know, what do you do in those situations? You just try to plant a little deeper. Can you find moisture if you go down a little deeper? Well, I have a little heavier soil. Well, for our area, I got CC 10, 12. Um, and so if I can, if it'll germinate, it'll, there's moisture down there a little bit, it'll get it. And I uh, use a lot of cover crops and, those kind of, you know, that was kind of the problem is that it, uh, the, the seed bed was just so dry at the very top. And uh, I tried to sink them in, but you can only go so far, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it's a challenge. And, and uh, I know what you're talking about when, when you think about, okay, yeah, we can get down there. We did this last year, too, because we were coming off uh, being dry the year before, and we, we had to go a little deeper than we wanted. Sometimes that worked out great. Sometimes uh, it didn't work out so good. And, uh, it, you know, you mentioned the cover crop, too, and then you got residue to have to deal with also. What do you like to use for a cover crop? What are you finding that's working up there? Uh, the red clover is consistently wants to grow i'm actually in one of my fields now that i, I intercede my corn and uh the uh, radish and turnips have been overwintering and then i mow it off i do uh put rye in on top of it when i uh, brush hog my corn stalks so i get a nice stand of rye and weeds to mow down and then uh hopefully the clover comes in and where the we we're real wet last fall and where it wasn't real wet the clover looks great okay and, uh, you know they're gonna so that that's nice I uh, love radish and turnips and uh, rye, of course. And then, uh, oh, I'm trying uh, some 60-inch rows to see if I can get some uh, heavier cover crops in between those corn rows. See what that, that's a little nerve-wracking, putting corn in uh, on top of each other like that. But we'll see what it does. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of guys experimenting with that. And it's going to be neat to see and compare notes here because I know some guys were doing that last year and there's quite a few we've talked to this year that are trying it. And, and of course, some areas are too wet. Some areas like you are just not able to buy rain right now. And uh, so we'll have all these different conditions to kind of see, okay, what worked when it was wet, what worked when it was dry, and, and what's what's the general consensus here? Because, yeah, trying to get a little more sunlight in there, that has been a challenge. We've, gosh, even... 10 years ago, I think we were trying to seed cover crop in between and we just weren't getting, we were closing that canopy up too quick and, and not getting any sunlight down there. So we, we kind of gave up on it, but we weren't, we weren't trying the 60 inch row concept. So it'll be interesting to see how that impacts yield. And, uh, I, I do think it's going to be a good thing though, to get that cover crop going. It is. I really enjoy watching the, uh, the soil change and it's been, been a real blessing that way you bet well it makes a big difference because most years are not ideal and <laughs> we got everything we can for the soil health too to, to try and raise good crops year in and year out absolutely that's you got to look long term and 
Well, uh, I don't know. I try to do my experiments in three-year blocks, try to get an average, and then I, I try not to do it next to the road either because when they <laughs> fail, I really <laughs> – I know the neighbors like to have something to talk about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It doesn't need to be me every year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a couple trials that are hidden this year that I don't know if anybody's going to see unless they're unless they're flying over and really looking for it. So I, I know exactly what you mean, Kevin. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate a chance to talk to you today, and, and good luck. Hopefully you guys catch some rain soon. Yeah, you too. <laughs> Let's head over to Nebraska. We've got James on with us right now. How you doing, James? Oh, I'm doing good. Hoping for a rain tonight. We definitely need it. There's been a lot of rolling corn this week. Yeah, you guys have certainly had the heat. No no lack of that and no lack of wind and storms. Uh, how have you fared through all this? You know, I with my corn, I've been pleasantly surprised. Um, I was looking at my corn the last couple of days and it hasn't stressed, whereas all the most of the neighboring fields are showing like they're rolling up and the thing I did different is I used NutraShield this year on my treatment on my corn, and I don't know if that's it or not, but it seems like I'm going through most of these days. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's a, Yeah, I like trying new things too, and, and uh, we, we've liked that as well. How about on the beans? You, you mentioned the corn, and it didn't sound like the beans were quite as, as good. I know up here I would say this if it makes you feel any better. I think the corn looks 10 times better than the beans do up here. How, how about for you? That's exactly the same I was going to say. The the beans just seemed like, you know, we had a lot of residue that we couldn't manage. And there's just a lot of spots out there that there's like a very poor stand. But, you know, you know probably most of the field is fine. But uh, and then a lot of up and down, like you might have, you know, certain plants are a couple trifoliates ahead, you know, from, plant, from row to row, spot to spot based off of the residue. Um, and then flowering, we're probably, I'm probably 12, 13 days behind last year. Like last year I planted about the 24th of April and I was, uh, flowered the 10th of June. And this year I'm, you know, just started to flower a couple of days ago, but not even close to full, you know, every plant being flowered yet. Yeah, we, we were experiencing the same thing. Now, of course, last year we had a ton of heat that came early and this year we had, uh, the May that we had that wasn't very good. And, uh, I know we've got a plot just a couple miles North of our, our main farm here. And, uh, one of our guys is just out looking at flowering and he was noting a whole bunch of different varieties started flowering yesterday. So they're, they're coming, uh, they're, they're way behind what they've been in, in previous years. And we'll see what kind of impact that makes and what kind of season we get here the rest of the way. How, how about spraying? We, we just got done here, uh, yesterday by, by midday, finally, we had a couple days that we could spray on. Have you found days to get out there or you still got a little ways before you need to spray? No, I'm done also. And I guess one thing that helps me is I like to post my corn early. I don't want to be done anywhere past V3. I start at V2 and V3 at the latest. And it seems like it works out because I don't have to fight as much the earlier i go the less heat i have to fight and um also uh and like basically i had almost zero weed pressure all season and a lot of guys you talk to they're like oh there's not any weed pressure out there so i can't spray yet well in my estimation you want to be ahead of the weeds and 
residual it residual 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 and so it worked perfect i went out there today and scouted and i couldn't find any weeds at v7 v8 so awesome awesome yeah i totally agree with you and one of the things that that my brother is uh, been talking a lot about this year, and I think he's right on the money on this one, that it's not about the first day that you spray, it's about the last day. And if you say, hey, it's V2, and I'm getting out here, I'm getting going, if something comes up, now it's not going to be V10 <laughs> when we're finishing up. Maybe it's going to be V4, V5, and that's a little later than we wanted, but it's a lot better than than getting stuck and, and waiting till the last minute. And uh, I don't know. I, I like it. I like the approach, James. Well, good luck to you guys down yeah. there. Hopefully you guys catch uh, some rainy days coming up soon. Thank you. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. You can call with questions or if you want to visit, or you can also email us, radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back. Maximum application flexibility. Maximum yields at harvest, whether or not. Relentless is the kind of control you'll always get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Low use rate Anthem Max herbicide protects corn and soybean crops from the toughest broadleaf weeds and grasses, including water hemp, palmer pigweed, foxtails, crabgrass, and more. Dual modes of action and lasting overlapping residuals also help you minimize resistance in your fields. Its easy to tank mix formulation and wide application window make Anthem Max herbicide the crop protection choice that's ready when you are rain or shine whether or not relentless that's anthem max herbicide from fmc visit your fmc retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more always read and follow all label directions Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more. And don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. 
Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Martin Studio, taking your calls and questions at 844 oh boy, 844-44-AG-PHD. Boy, I'm smooth on here, aren't I? Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. And I was just thinking, man, we haven't talked to anybody on the West Coast yet. Well, guess what? We got Hunter on right now out in Oregon. Hunter, how's it going out there? Oh, pretty good. What are you up to today? Sounds like you might be in a tractor. Uh, we're just cutting some hay. Excellent. Oh, so it's going to rain tomorrow is what you're saying. <laughs> uh, we hope not. <laughs> no, I, we always joke about that. If we cut hay, sure enough, then, then we finally get rain the next day before we can get it picked yep. up. What What's it look like? Are you getting a decent hay crop? Um. Well... We're actually just cutting some triticale right now today. This is our first day, and tomorrow we'll start in with our alfalfa. Uh, yeah, it's looking better, but as it sounds like a lot of places, we're quite a ways behind. We're probably 10 days to two weeks behind uh, on our first cutting. But, yeah, it's definitely looking better. This last week, it's warmed up quite a bit, uh, but before that, it's been so cold that not much has grown. Yeah, it, it's been a cold and weird spring, and now all of a sudden it turns to summer, and that it's kind of interesting, you know, just with the different crops that are out there, how they were all responded. Would you say one one crop's doing better than another, or is there anything that's standing out? Uh, no, I mean, everything. everything's just been really slow, and uh, it's finally gotten up into the 80s this week and i mean i think it's grown more in the last three or four days than it has the whole month it seems like so what what is your normal rotation how often are you cutting that alfalfa are you a a 28 day cut or do you just kind of wait and see when it starts to bloom uh so we usually try for uh we don't like any bloom uh we like to get as high quality as possible but we get three cuttings here, and yeah, it's probably a little, little longer than 28 days, but you know, around 30 to 35 days, probably just depending on the growth stage. Um, and then, yeah, usually our, th- our third cutting takes a little longer to grow since it starts cooling down. Sure. Where does your alfalfa go? Is that getting fed to livestock locally, or are you in the export market? What what happens out in Oregon? Uh, so for us, it's a little bit of everything. Um, you know, if we grain hay will be for feeder hay. So, uh, and then anything that gets really bad damage could be feeder hay. Uh, the majority of all our hay around this area is either export or dairy. Um, for us, I would say we're about half and half, half export, half dairy. Is there anything they're looking for differently in the export market? Uh, they're, it's been the same. It's pretty similar, I'd say. I think some of them are getting maybe a little more picky uh, than they used to be. But, I mean, depending on what country it's going to, some 
some just care about appearance and others care a lot more about quality. Um, so it kind of just depends on where it's going, but definitely most care about appearance as long as it's green. Uh, and then some of them are, are getting more picky on quality. You know, with that export market, we've we've certainly seen uh, a struggle getting things in and out of the country here the last couple of years. How is that? How's that going right now? Is it starting to get a little easier? Is it moving a little faster and more predictably? Uh, I don't know if I have a good answer for that, but all, everything that we've exported this year has moved pretty good. Uh, I can't speak for all the presses, but I do know that it definitely has been a struggle. And I think just like a lot of things, it's hard to get containers and they never know when they're going to have a booking until uh, right before, and it, then they then they're in a rush to get so much, so many tons over to the press as fast as possible. So yeah, it it hasn't been very predictable, I would say. Yep. Do you guys do your own trucking, or or do you you call in other truckers? Uh, so we try and haul as much of our hay as we can. There are, we do, we don't haul 100% of our product, but we try to haul over half of it and then the rest somebody else will haul. Yeah, it gets kind of tough when it's a last minute call of, hey, we need it. We need it all right now. That's uh, tough, tough when you can't schedule it out a little bit better than that. But uh, glad to hear you're out there finally getting the cutting going. And, and like you say, we're starting a little bit behind, but hopefully we catch up. Hopefully it all works out. Yep. Yeah, we're we're hoping that we have an extended summer and some good heat to get some tonnage. You bet. Well, Hunter, thank you so much. It was great talking to you, and good luck, and stay safe. Okay, thanks. You too. Yeah, it's interesting, the the export markets, and I know we, we talked to some folks up in Washington from time to time on here, too, that are, that are exporting hay. It's kind of... Um, a different market it's being in the center part of the country we don't have those opportunities as often here so uh just kind of good to learn always good to to see how other guys are doing it i uh, got a question that came in uh, via email here this one came from nida who said i'm wondering about cleaning out the sprayer and i'm wondering about using ammonia I, i'm using herbicides only not a complicated mix here uh, also i'm wondering do you see ammonia as a product that could be could cause damage to pumps. Well, thanks for the question, Nida. Uh, you know, ammonia may be a good solution in some cases, and there may be some product labels uh, that will talk about using ammonia as a cleaner. I know on our farm, it's something that uh, over the years, we've tried a lot of different things. One of the things that my dad was always concerned about using bleach or ammonia was safety. And when we look at what ammonia is trying to do, we're trying to change the pH of that solution. And uh, we're trying to clean off some of these things that are stuck on the side of the tank and those types of things. The challenge that we've always run into with ammonia is we could get things to come off the side of the tank or, or to come loose in the lines and, and get into solution for the most part, pretty well with ammonia. The downside was as soon as we'd flush that tank out, we would just see kind of a slimy film that would go right back on the side. So I, I think we were doing, um, 
maybe a 60 or 70% job. And we, we just weren't getting the 100% job that we wanted. And so with most products, we're seeing better luck using a commercial tank cleaner. Now, it doesn't have to be super expensive. A lot of the tank cleaners we'll see will maybe be 20 or 30 bucks a gallon, not a, not a big deal. And oftentimes we're using a quart or two uh, with 100 or 200 gallons of water. So uh, that that is not a big deal. I, I think ammonia, a lot of times folks will say, well, I have it on hand. It could save me a little bit of money. So I'm going to give that a shot, but just haven't seen as good a luck with that. As far as damaging pumps, uh, Brian, have you, have you ever known ammonia to cause damage to pumps? I haven't, haven't heard about that myself or experienced that. No, I, I mean, what we're concerned about in a lot of cases is the seal. And that's why I just remember even from when I was a kid, they'd talk about Viton seals that they'd want to have just for certain herbicides causing damage to regular seals. But anyway, I, 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 I would just say we've, we've and I, I think we still have this on our website, what products are best to clean out the tank based on the herbicide. And it does definitely vary. So you, you want to check into that. If you don't know, if nothing else, just call your agronomist and hopefully they can help you. But yeah, it could be bleach, ammonia. Uh, it could be a commercial tank cleaner, like you were saying. So you got a lot of options. And they all work better if you get right after it. I think the, the toughest is when, uh, you know, I was spraying and then I left the sprayer out in the sun and I didn't get back to it for a couple of days. And all of a sudden things stuck on and dried on. Uh, man, it's it's tough to get that off. I often equate it to dishes. Uh, that's why it's always a good idea to do your dishes right after supper because if you leave them on there till the next day, it's a lot tougher to clean that off. Hey, thanks for the question, Nida. We really appreciate it. We'll be right back with more of your calls and questions after this. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler fungicide unleashes the power of the plant microbiome and multiple modes of action to deliver extended, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. With all the advantages of no residue, zero PHI, minimal REI, and take-mix flexibility, get the fiercest, most effective protection available with Howler fungicide, a product of AgBiome. Learn more at agbiome.com howler. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. 
Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Get maximum spray drift control with Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Max Nozzles, the ideal nozzle for dicamba and 240 applications, providing up to 95% drift reduction. Ensure you get the best coverage on hard-to-hit targets. Learn more at Pentair.com slash Hypro. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zeopro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday, so we're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can also email us radio at agphd.com. All right, got a question that came in from, or a comment, I think, that came in from Paul and kind of a lengthy one here. So I'm going to, so Paul, I apologize in advance. I'm, I'm not going to read it all, but I'm just going to throw a couple of things out here. And he, he was talking about some of the drain tile basics and uh, I think a general overall comment, Paul liked our drain tile basics uh, that we've done um, as as part of our Ag PhD television program. But Paul said this, he goes, I'd like it uh, if you concentrate a little bit more on soil aeration and maybe even root respiration. Uh, you, you really can't over drain yep. a mineral soil like you guys mentioned, uh, but flooding can be reduced because the air spaces in the soil will absorb that water. And I think that air is maybe even a bigger deal than the water. Yeah, it absolutely is. Because the water, when there's so much, it's killing the roots. It's killing the plants. Whereas the air is what keeps them alive and also keeps a lot of our beneficial soil microbes alive. When people talk about they want a healthy soil, I always say this, I can promise you, you have zero chance of having a healthy soil if you have poor drainage. The reason why is you've got to have air in that soil to keep those microbes alive. And then when the microbes are alive, well, you know what happens? More nutrients get into the plant. Then you know what happens? We raise greater yields, but also we have much bigger roots which means long-term we have more soil organic matter. There's more carbon sequestration, meaning we store more carbon in the soil. So it's great for the planet. Everybody's talking about carbon dioxide and greenhouse gases. Well, how do you solve that problem? Real easy. You raise greater yields, have more root systems. You have uh, higher levels of organic matter in the soil. You store that carbon down in the soil instead of in the atmosphere. It's great. It's a win all the way around. But all that starts by having adequate air in the soil. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, Paul. Uh, Paul just goes on. He talks uh, about doing some tiling up in in uh, Manitoba and over into Ontario, and uh, just said they had really good luck doing that. But unfortunately, what they were running into is a lot of folks who didn't know very much about drainage, thinking that things right. weren't going to be good and, and jumping to conclusions, thinking there was going to be problems with it. But it, but in the end, it turned out really good and, and the farmers were very happy. 
it was the same thing when we started doing a lot of tiling in South Dakota in 2007. And for people right now who are listening from, let's say, Iowa or Illinois or some of these areas that have had lots of tile for 100 years, they're probably laughing, going, what? People still in this day and age don't know about tile? Yes, it's true. We run into it even in central South Dakota. But in eastern South Dakota, just 15 years ago, there are a lot of people that, oh, they were scared to death of it. And there were farmers that I talked to that, no, it's bad and it's terrible and everything else. And now guess what? Those same farmers are putting tile on the ground because they've seen everybody else have success with it, make more money, have healthier soil, cleaner water, less flooding. I mean, it's, it's just it's all fantastic. If you do tile right, it's the best thing, one of the best things you could possibly do for the environment, for the planet, for your crops for your income, for your community. It's awesome if you do it right. Hey, thanks, Paul. We really appreciate the comments and and, uh, just your experience as well. I get this one that came in from Skip down in Tennessee. And Skip says, love, love, love your show. I've been a farmer at heart since I was young. I grew up in a suburban area. Didn't have a lot of farming experience other than working with my uncles, growing some burly tobacco. But now here's what I'm doing. I'm taking your recommendations for row crops and using that for my lawn. And I've got the best lawn ever. I've even been accused of using a lawn service. So I tell anybody who asks about my lawn, it starts with getting the soil healthy. And that kind of leads to my question. He said, we've got a lot of hard pan clay soil. I'm wondering, can you suggest a good reference book or books that I could use to help understand soil agronomy and maybe even some more tips for growing a better lawn? Hands-on agronomy from Neil Kinsey. It's fantastic. Granted, it's a big book. I don't know, it's 400 pages or something, but that will teach you most of what you need to know about that soil and keeping it healthy, whether you're raising a lawn, a garden, a field crop, whatever it is. So that would be my number one recommendation. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of information in there, and and Neil's been great. The other thing I would say is Neil's done several updates to that book, and I'm not sure if it's the third edition now is the newest one, but if you're looking online, uh, make sure you're getting the newest edition out there too. Uh, Not that there's going to be huge changes or anything like that, but why would you not want to take the benefit of 10 more years of of research and learning out there? So I agree. Hands-on Agronomy by Neil Kinsey. Uh, That's K-I-N-S-E-Y. That would be uh, that'd be a great start. Hey, thanks, Skip. Really appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully everybody thinks you're using a lawn service for a long time. Your lawn looks fantastic. All right, Brian, I had this question come in from Joe in Iowa, and he said, guys, white mold is a real concern for me and my farm. It makes me nervous. We're putting soybeans on fields uh, that have historically had problems with white mold. We're in that part of our rotation. I know you've talked about a multi-step plan and lots of different modes of action for fungicide, but all I'm hearing about is Endura and it's really expensive. And I'm just wondering uh, if they're trying to make money off my white mold problem or if there's some cheaper ways that I can have similar results. Well, Endura is legit. It's the best product that there is, but Cobra is almost as good. And today's the day to spray cobra as soon as you see the very very first flower in the field that's when you go hit it with cobra and here's what you want to do with both cobra and endura and by the way cobra costs about five to seven dollars an acre use the six ounce rate six ounces per acre that's that's the rate with endura you use 11 ounces that's 40 bucks but with both of them i want you to spot spray them i want you to look at your past yield maps when you've had soybeans there you can identify it's 
probably 10 or 20% of your field. I mean, areas in your field. Well, think about it this way. Let's even, let's say it's 20%, which is probably high. Okay. That in effect makes it one fifth. So now the endurance that costing $40 an acre across your whole farm costs $8 an acre across your whole farm. Well, I can afford $8 an acre and I'm sure you can too. And for that matter, even the 40, if you place it right, yeah, it sounds like a lot. That's three bushels of beans, three. I, we've had white mold take 90 from us. That's no joke. I'm dead serious. We're going along harvesting 90 bushel beans. It goes to zero when we hit the white mold. Zero. So invest the money. But I'm doing multiple shots. So on our farm, this is seriously what we're doing. We're spraying Cobra uh, probably Monday. Hopefully it's not too windy to do that. Then we're going to come out and spot spray Endura about 10 days after that. Then we're going to go spray whole fields with a combination of Topson and Domark because both of those active ingredients are very good on white mold. So by the time we do that, our white mold or bad white mold areas have had three shots of different modes of action. So that's four modes of action, not because I'm counting Cobra here, and we're going to have very good control. And I might do something later in the season too, like a Preaxor. That's not great, but at least it's better than nothing. Yep. Yeah. You just got to get after it with a, a lot of different things and, and spread those timings out too, Joe. Thanks for the question. Got this one that came in from Terry. I think we had time for one more here over in Southeast Minnesota. He said, guys, last year, my corn was black with tar spot, but it came late and didn't really hurt my yield too bad. I did some spraying starting at V5 to V10, depending on the field. Didn't really see that that made much of a difference uh, doing that ahead of a tasseling time application. So I'm going for that five-foot tall corn I heard you talk about this year and then spraying again around tassel. But I'm wondering, since tar spot has been coming in later for me in past years, I'm planning on putting a third application on even later. It's that big a deal to me this year, at least on some of my acres. How should I time that last spray after tassel? Do you wait? a certain amount of time uh, or, or how yep. do you judge that? Here's, so here's what I do. I treat when that corn is five to seven feet tall. And then I'd come back three weeks later with another application. And that's probably going to be enough. You're probably going to be done. If you want to do another shot after that, you can come two and a half to three weeks after that. But I have a feeling that it's really late in the season. Yeah, the other question is how, and I don't know how you're doing this because you didn't mention this, but how are you going to get that applied? I'm assuming probably aerial application, especially if you're talking about several weeks after tassel. And I I guess if you want to try that and and try it out on some acres or on some very susceptible hybrids, those kinds of things, uh, that, that would be pretty interesting to see what kind of difference that can make for you. And again, it all depends on when that tar spot comes in. Uh, which which is a little bit predictable, but but not entirely predictable. You got to be out there in front of it before that infection occurs if you want to do the best. Hey, thanks, Terry. Really appreciate that question. And I just want to remind everybody again, our scouting and scholarships uh, clinic is coming up tomorrow, right on our farm, right at the site of the Ag PhD Field Day. If you're still thinking about coming up, you, you sure can. We've got room. Uh, just check out agphd.com for all the details. Thanks for listening today, and be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.